0: Hello, and welcome to the Mark Rose podcast. Today, we have an incredible guest. Are you so excited? I mean, I am biased. I will acknowledge that, that when I'm like, incredible guest, but like, what's the point in having conversations with people who aren't incredible? So today's no exception. She is brilliant. And I can't wait for you to hear just her not just her story but her expertise we explore the subject of emotion but more specifically the messages we've received around emotion and and whether that be through culture or gender or whatever it is and more even more specifically we get into the subject of anger and like sacred rage and and you've likely heard me mention before that anger is often associated with aggression. And so obviously aggression is destructive, uh, but anger is what claims ourselves. It, it's sacred. It is such an important emotion. And I speak for myself. I had previously been terrified of it, terrified because i you know, when I was in grade 11, I was 16, I believe, maybe 17, no, I was 16. Um, I was at a party that got crashed by a gang. And I got 44 stitches in my head. I didn't know the people. There was no reason to hit me. There's no, you know, these are just people who were denied entrance into a party and came back and crashed it. And I was slightly inebriated. And, you know, my dad, we joke, there's a plaque at the hospital for uh, one of the highest blood alcohol levels that still maintain consciousness. <laughs> it's a funny joke now. But at the time, it was scary. And that really affected me one on a unconscious on a conscious level cuz i really was afraid of that overt form of aggression i could express aggression in sports but as soon as it was in this context of like violence i was really terrified i'm not a violent person i don't get into fights i don't i've never been in a fight in my life And people are like what you've never been in a fight and i'm like is that bad (laughs) like i'd rather resolve things or like find agreement or some sort of central space between us and so i think unconsciously i was very afraid of just my own rage my own anger because i saw what was possible in people and i didn't want to let myself go there and it wasn't until i did work in groups Uh, as an attendee where I got to really explore rage in this safe container with other men. I did a men's group and it was one of the most beautiful experiences uh, that really cracked me open because here was this thing I was so terrified of yet it was the thing that protects me that like says no more that says this is bullshit sets the boundary, reclaims me draws a fucking firm line around who I am And pardon my language, but that's the passion I have for how important this is. And so as you listen to this, I want you to think about your own exploration with these emotions and and where maybe uh, you've expressed the shadow side. So like maybe aggression or or suppression, right, where there's a lack of it and it might become people pleasing uh, things like that, and and really as you're listening, just uh, learning and, and navigating where is it that you have opportunity to uh, reclaim a healthy relationship to your emotionality, which is, I think, a continuing expansion and learning for me, too. It's like, oh, my gosh, I got to know the edges of my rage in this safe space, and I use boxing as a way of really uh, expelling anger from the body, and channeling it in a really important direction. So yeah, I'm really excited. I met this woman through mutual work and training and you've met her partner who was previously on the podcast, uh, Alistair and Alejandra is with us today. And I'm so excited for us all to be at church in her presence to learn from her brilliance. I wanted to take a quick break in this episode to talk to you about the greatest struggle that people have in dating, and that is asking the right questions. And not just the right questions, but asking hard questions, questions that determine if someone wants what you want, what you are, what your relationship status is, that, that deepen vulnerability and intimacy. And ultimately asking the right questions allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level gets to know their values, get to know whether they're a good fit for you. Now, I recognize that when I get feedback on asking questions, people say that's too hard to ask or it's too soon to ask that or whatever the excuse or thought or feeling or fear might be. And so I thought, shit, let me ask the hard questions. And that's why I created Create the Love Cards. Create the Love Cards is created with such intention for you to deepen your conversations on dating. And because of that, The deck, when you open it up, it fits two smartphones. So you can put your phone inside the box as you take the cards out so you can both be present. Now, if someone doesn't want to play, I'm like, swipe left. That's a red flag. Like, who doesn't want to play a game? Second, I've got it in four sections. So we've got foreplay, diving deeper, too much information because would it be a deck from me if it didn't have TMI, and building chemistry. So there's four sections for you to explore the landscapes of one another and see if you're a good fit. If you want to have deeper conversations, if you want to take this deck of cards on your dates or on your date night, or you think this would be a good gift for a couple, then go to createthelove.com cards. I put them at a really accessible price of 30 bucks and I can't wait for you to check them out. They've received rave reviews. People are loving them. I have actually one friend who took them out on its second date with someone that she was hitting it off with. And after she got the answers to the questions that the deck provided, she realized that this person was not a good fit and swiped left and now is in a relationship with someone she loves. So that's what dating is about, is it's about filtering. And also my intention is to support you along that journey to not just finding the person that you want, but if you're with them, asking the questions that help create and deepen intimacy. So go to createthelove.com cards and grab a set now. Without further ado... Here she is. Welcome to the podcast, Alejandra po- Proeno. How's that? <laughs> Terrible. That was actually bad shit. Okay, Alejandra <laughs> Proeno. That's
1: that's perfect. Yes.
0: Oh man. Okay. I feel good about myself now. That's, you know, you want to get people's names nailed, but you know, doing it with an accent that I don't actually have is challenging. Yes.
1: Yes. Even even naming Alejandra is hard. So. People say here, Alejandra, like it was with an H and the way it's pronounced with a J, which is Alejandra.
0: Which sounds way cooler, by the way. It's kind of got like a fire to it, which you do. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. You, uh, We met uh, now quite a few years ago uh, in a training. And, uh, you know, I'll speak for my own experience. Uh, I felt like just became fast friends. There was a resonance that that felt otherworldly in some sense.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It was a place where we could have fun by having some beautiful moments in nature and we could also be doing our own work. And that's uh, what a best definition of a good friendship than witnessing the other.
0: Gosh, right? To like lay it all there, but feel so safe to be seen in, in the what we would consider our dirtiest or darkest or most vulnerable, um, shameful things.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. And our topic of today has a lot to do with shame because anger is a shameful emotion for us women to express. So I can't wait to talk to you about that.
0: Oh, I'm sure, well, First off, people don't know what they're about to hear because you have a way of articulating things and expressing things and also a specialty in that area of exploring the subject, the feeling, the emotion of anger. And it's the reason, you know, it's not an often an emotion that's discussed and sort of like deeply understood. It's sort of like we don't like that emotion. So let's just put it in a box or put it in a corner, which is what we do as a society unless it's other expressions of anger so um if we could maybe first first i'd love to know like how does someone end up in the work of working with anger
1: uh well you first have to be angry (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's that's
2: fair
1: but there's also a fair a fair amount of destiny you know like choice and and uh and also opportunities that just happen and then you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm meant to heal and maybe I'm meant to transmute this anger into something else. And, and it's through the work and the pain uh, that I've had that I've been curious and curiosity has led me to many places. So I think that the, the turn point was in 2012 when I visited Vancouver to a family therapy conference. Uh, you know, my first specialization is family therapist. So that was organized by Chris Kinman. And then I met Alistair, Alistair Moose, <laughs> founder of Moose Anger Management. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: uh,
1: we had been doing this work for over 15 years. Uh, we had good conversations with Alistair. And then I moved back. Of course, I went back to Mexico City where I was working. And a few months later, he invited me to see how he ran one of his groups.
0: Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> Just for context, Alistair, is, uh, he's been on the podcast and he's also Alejandra's husband. So <laughs> yes. smooth.
1: Now my work and life partner. Yeah. And so there I am on a kindergarten portable <laughs> <for> <laughs> a with tiny chairs. <laughs> and about 15 guys uh, that were willing or some of them forced to do an anger management program. Wow. And the first thing I noticed was my own prejudice, my own fear. I was scared to be in a group of men that were there for anger management. You see, I'm not that I'm only four foot nine. <laughs> but I also had a very particular and stereotyped image of how an angry guy should look like and what he would do. But in that moment, to me, in 2013, that group of guys represented everything that I was fighting against. Mm. Uh, In 2013, I was living in Mexico City, one of the countries then with higher indexes of femicide in the world. And I was working in a foundation that had a crisis line that offered counseling and legal advice and crisis interventions for women that were in situations of violence. And one of my colleagues died there with multiple shots on her face. And that was determined as a passion crime. So I had just finished my thesis on the imaginary of women in romantic love letters, historically written by and for men. So yeah, I was very aware of the dark side of romantic love, And at the end of the workshop, I just apologized to all the guys for my prejudice. And I say, hey, I could see how any of you could have been my partners and how easy it is to fall into a toxic relationship. Mm. Um, So it was really humbling for me to just kind of like understand that I was just hearing the stories of women and I was not hearing the other side. So then a few months later, uh, you know, I just realized how it was like all the guys were there grounded. Like there was, but also they were punished, you know, they you are bad, so you go to anger management. But there was also the other side, it's like there is no accountability or no space for women to talk about their anger. Mm. Hmm. And so Alistair invited me to run the, the groups, and I'm like, I'm in. I'm
0: angry. <laughs> I'm angry. I got this.
1: I need to get this like I I want It's so mysterious. It's so scary at the same time because it's such a taboo.
0: All right. So you, your Alistair offers you to run the women's groups and you, you say yes, because you're angry.
1: That sounds like a great idea to me. And it was not a popular thing then. I had um, three times less participants than I did nowadays.
0: Wow. So only a third of the number of of women you have now.
1: So I do have to acknowledge that I believe after the Me Too movement, women were a little bit more empowered and open to talk about these issues and the younger generations. And like every in every level, women are more like, okay, let's have these conversations. Mm -hmm. So and I, I was loving to see my own process. I saw how this framework started to change my life and how we worked it with Alistair on our own relationship. And it was so good. It was, you know, I never had a relationship that were like so easy for us to move from conflict and to hold each other's anger in a way that was sacred and respectful, not not avoidance.
0: Well, I'm curious in your experience of, like you spoke to the biases or the prejudice that you had about, male anger. Mm -hmm. And, and you suppose you spoke to the, like how easy it can be that you get caught in sort of the passion or the relational dynamic of that. And I'm curious when you spoke to, like you said, but there was no space for women to talk about anger or to be angry in general. How do you, one, I'd love to just hear, like, why do you think it is easy to first get caught in that dynamic? And secondly, Cause I would imagine the way out of that dynamic is actually access to anger in some way. So like, what is it that you've seen now with your many years, many, I'm guessing hundreds and thousands of people that you've had through your work? Uh, what is it that you see? How do you see women show up? How do you see anger show up in women or not? You know, and how does it, ex- how does it, sh- how does it, um, how does it present versus w- w- where did it go? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Mhm mhm. So I'm going to start with the second question because I forgot the first one.
0: <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Let that I mean that's that's divine intervention. Let's I go.
1: This is super interesting. Like what happens? Like who comes to my groups, right? Yeah. Who calls me? Usually it's like, "Oh, I'm I'm angry because somebody else told me I'm angry. My my partner, my children, um but lately more and more women that don't know how to express their anger come to my groups. And I think that is key uh, because the research shows how either when you externalize the anger or internalize it, if that's your only strategy or more, more like a coping mechanism really because it's unconscious, then your body is going to start to pay the price. So we want to have something in the middle and also what happens if there's this idea of um, there's this, this idea of what I call the criminalization of anger right because it's the association that if you're angry you might be a bad person Now I think that's also because of the field of anger management was always like court uh, you know referred by court but I think that's just part of how our society is also maturing and knowing that, you know, I'm grateful for the field of anger management because it has shown what has worked and what has not worked for many people. But it's also true that I think we all should benefit from looking at A, our prejudice on anger and B, seeing how we are managing this human emotion that we all have.
0: A need, like anger changes worlds, it rescues self, it draws a line, it like, when you tack tap into that sacred rage, I mean, yes. you shift shit, you know? So like you said, a lot, don't, a lot of women don't know, aren't aware of how to express it. Or even like, where did my anger go? And I'm, I would imagine that's a lot of people, but especially a lot
2: of women.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I do want to talk a little about the gen gen genderization of anger. Cause it's a, yeah. th- there's a big issue there. Like, Anger is just an emotion. It's not feminine or masculine, but at least it's important to at least acknowledge it, not to remove the gender stigma around anger. So people that have a more masculine way of acting in the world, they would externalize it more. Mm -hmm. And people that have a more feminine way, they're taught to keep it in or to repress it. In other words, internalize it. Now, I do believe that in a relationship with both people can express their anger in a way that does not turn into something destructive, right? So anger can be a healthy emotion. And anger, in this sense, protects the relationship and protects the integrity of the persons that are in that relationship.
0: Mm, so, I love that. Protects the integrity of the people in the relationship. That is such a beautiful, like you see how sacred it is then. Like it's it's necessary and it must have a seat at the table.
1: Absolutely. I can show up upset at my partner and say, hey, I'm upset about this. This is it. We need to change or this is not unacceptable. And I'm not trashing you. I'm not disrespecting you. Right. I'm still getting my message across. The problem is that if anger takes over me, then the message gets lost. Mm -hmm. And then I would be shamed for my anger. And then you have me apologizing for the way I delivered it.
0: But not the content.
1: Exactly. And I'm ashamed of my anger and then I'm discouraged to set up boundaries and there is no change and the couple gets stuck.
0: And in some way, because when I think about that as the person who might receive the anger, I'm already thinking like, okay, if I get mad or if I reflect to you that the way you delivered it was not okay, that could be a way of avoiding what you delivered, right? Like I'm right? So, cause I know when formally, I remember when Kai and I's relationship didn't have as much capacity for either of our anger. It was, if I like my voice went up like two decibels, it was like, don't raise your voice. I'm like, I'm not raising my voice. (laughs) Like this is not raising a voice. Okay. You know, that feeling when you're like, don't tell me not to, right. And, and it's, it becomes about the thing, but not about what actually needs to be resolved, which below that. and. Exactly. Mm.
1: Exactly. So that capacity that you mentioned has to do with attachment, with trauma, with the way Mm -hmm. that we cope. So there's that's where that capacity needs to be worked on first by educating ourselves, understanding how anger, what is the physiology of anger, what is are the cues that we are getting upset, because anger is not always visible. There are studies that they show that. so there's, there's this, this beautiful study about there's a group of um, little kids. They frustrate the kids so that they will be upset. And there's a group of adults that one by one go and observe the kids. And they have to say what anger, what emotions, sorry, are they feeling? And when they see boys, they would say anger. When they see little girls, they would say sadness. Like, it's not something that we can always perceive. I can be absolutely angry and I can look very peaceful and kind. And I might be internalizing that. And there's a huge association with, you know, repressed anger. And for example, um, autoimmune diseases or cancer. Um, and again, this is not like if you're angry, you're gonna get that. It's not like a direct association, it's not like anger causes illnesses, but th- there is mismanagement on the anger in the incidence and the prevalence amongst women, specifically certain cancers like breast cancer. And and the research is described this as an extreme suppression of anger. So we need to look at these things because this is the only illness that, um, is related to anger, right? So in, in broad terms, I need to be generalized. I need to generalize this just to get my message across. So usually people that will externalize their anger, they're related more to high blood pressure, uh, heart disease and people that will internalize their anger, they would be more looking at, um, arthritis and, um, and
2: other, um, autoimmune
0: issues. That's so so fascinating to me. Like the, so when you say externalizing, you mean outward expression, fire, maybe, maybe what we would define as aggression, throwing shit, like that kind of thing. And the internalization being putting on a smile, but like your body is storing it. I, I, I've always been so fascinated by that area of study of psychoneuroimmunology and psychoneuroendoimmunology where endocrine, whatever, fuck, a long word to say it's all connected and the emotions you feel cause inflammatory responses, uh, including the experience of your nerve, your vagal nerve and all that kind of stuff to say like, of course it's connected to autoimmune. And I think what's fascinating about autoimmune, which is the idea that the body is at war with itself in some sense, I'm simplifying it. But that anger within is like, I'm angry at my own body's internal experience because I'm at war with my own expression. Is that fair to say? Yes,
1: And that is very well explained by Gabor Maté. He said yeah. that if we are not able to say stop, you know. Uh, set our boundaries because again, I love that. When, how Alistair expressed uh, that anger is the garden of our boundaries. So we're not able to set that boundary, then our unimmune system starts harming ourselves. It's like we cannot find wow. the enemy outside, so we still, in you know, silently fight against us.
0: It's so fascinating the human body.
1: So that's one of the edges or one of the extremes of this. Yeah, how we can work with the anger, how we can um, tend to respond to the anger. And the other one that you mentioned is the raging. And there is some really interesting stuff about raging recently. Mm -hmm. And it looks like when people are raging, they're also not containing, not containing, but not experiencing anger. It's almost like they're also... Repressing the anger, but in a different way. It's like I cannot feel this anger in my body, so I'm gonna lash out at you.
0: Mm, so they're not embodied in their anger. It's that the only way they know to maybe get significance or whatever it is that they're after in that moment. They're not embodied, so it's not a healthy expression of like I'm so mad at you. This hurt me. It's like I'm gonna hurt you in some way.
1: No, I don't know if I'm gonna hurt you only. But you know, just losing it. You know, you, yeah. you can imagine when we're teenagers and we lose it on our parents when they say we can't go to a party. What something? <laughs> but but maybe that that extreme raging is about not us not able to contain our anger. We don't experience anger as a safe emotion, therefore mm. we rage. Or
0: I see what you're saying.
1: There are some traumas that are that are being triggered and we are in that moment, we're not able to observe that. So we rage. Uh, It's like the rage is the expulsion of the anger. It's like, I don't want that.
0: uh, I see what you're saying. It's like an exercise, excising of it. Like you're getting it out because your body can't contain it.
1: Yes. So right now, um, uh, we are now, I think uh, as a field, you know, we are also entering into this moment of, okay, how can we work this on somatics? Like how can we enhance the capability of our nervous system to hold the anger, uh, fear, even shame without collapsing or without ranging and externalizing. So actually, I remember the first time that I was able to feel the anger happen just like four years ago that I was able to feel it in my body and I didn't react it and I just saw it leaving my body.
0: Wow. Like you observed the emotion move through you.
1: Yes. In a couple of days. It took me a couple of days to process.
0: Were you more of an externalizer or more of an internalizer or a bit of both?
1: A bit of both. I was the nice girl. Then I was the the black sheep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was an internalizer for sure. Yeah. The nice guy, which when I tapped into it finally too, it was like I felt a catharsis experience. It felt like rage because I'd never touched it before. Uh, but it felt like a. I was. I was like, whoa, this behavior we're actually going to make acceptable. And it was safe in the space I was in. Um, and I felt so witnessed in that moment. I just cried after like so much. There was so much grief about having exiled that part of myself, you know, never really allowing it. And then what flashed before me was all the moments I needed it that didn't have it.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and I want you to know that um, I was the nice girl for many years. I was not allowed to feel anger in my family. If you would be angry, you would be shamed, especially if you were a woman. Mm -hmm. For the guys, it was different. If my dad was angry, we would all be walking on eggshells and know that we would have to just behave. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that's what happens uh, in culturally there are some research that show that when a man establishes his anger, it's like this boundary has been set, and it kind of uh, sets the tone for the rest of the people to behave in a certain way. But if an if a woman gets anger, that will not happen. The woman might get shamed for her anger instead Cena's of oh
0: crazy right? or intense or it's too much.
1: Instead of huh. oh, we maybe push the boundary or she's saying no, hmm. and for us women, it's hard to just say no and feel safe about that. So we always say yes, 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 yes and one of, one day we just blow up because mm-hmm. we've been not honoring our boundaries. And so there's that's when we rage. And then we have to apologize for what we raged. So it's it's a it's a crazy making loop. And when the women work with me or people in general Um, It's about finding ways that you will feel safe expressing the anger and that also your partner, your kids, you know, will just, it's also about observing how are, how are they uh, responding to your cues? Because everybody's nervous system is different. Mm -hmm. And so I might not be feeling like I'm yelling, just like you, you explained on that example. And the other person might be, Oh my gosh, this is too much for me. I can't hold that. But is that anger? Right? The question is, haven't we just trashed anger?
0: That's what it felt like.
1: It's the most uh, misunderstood emotion. And anger is just an emotion and anger is your friend. Anger is there to tell you that, Hey, This is not the right way to go. Something has crossed my boundary or I have crossed my own boundaries. I need protection. I'm not feeling safe um, or I'm overworked. It's like a very good friend of you, like a very good alarm that something is not quite well, but we need to clear, we need to clear some stuff that as a society, we've just put all the things, all the nasty things in anger. Anger Mm -hmm. is not even aggression. Anger is not violence, right? So, even though the aggression is something that you want to have, if you are in an intimate relationship, there's no intimate relationship without aggression, right? It's. I remember one of uh, the therapists that Alistair and I have seen. He was showing us how to say no to each other and say no, like really strong and and just. How was it for my partner to? To hear that I was saying no, and he's just standing there holding the space and saying, okay, I get it. And vice versa. How was it for me to say no to him and see that he can have that, he can handle that? That felt safe. Mm -hmm. That for me is, is, is a healthy relationship.
0: When you said, just so I can clarify, you said you can't have a healthy relationship without aggression. Did you mean without anger or do you mean aggression?
1: Well, in babies it's shown that they are a little bit aggressive to their mommies right or to daddy
2: ah, and, yeah.
1: and it's it's part of the attachment it's part of saying no it's part of crossing boundaries and just like where is that limit but it can be aggression again it's a behavior and in some in some situations in some contexts it's not necessarily bad
2: right okay. yeah. in
1: some sports you want to be a little bit more aggressive than others so I want to differentiate that. Um, so if somebody shows you a little bit of aggression, a little bit of like like push, push, right? Like no, yeah, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It means that you care.
0: Hmm. It's such an interesting reframe of, of anger in general. Of like, yeah, let's say, for example, when I've experienced Kai's like embodied no, that's like I've done something she's not pumped about. I get the no. I experience in that moment, my process, is, I can experience shame um, at first, you know, of like the child response of like, oh, I did something wrong. I'm bad. And then there's the adult processing that's like, she's actually telling me how to love her. Um, and this is connection. This is actually deepening intimacy and trust, which is such a I you if you had told me that at 19, I would have been like, nah, come on. <laughs> but now I really recognize that. I appreciate you saying that. It really anger is your friend. When you said that, I was like, Whoa, what a reframe for all of us listening to be like, Oh wait, what? And we, and we might have kicked that friend out of the house at age two, you know? So how do you, and, and before I just, I, uh, do you have anything else to like go with that or?
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because what you're saying of how can we be safe with our anger? And if there's anything that's crossing a boundary, like, If if you I I like to differentiate that also anger is not violence. Mm -hmm. You know, if I say no to something and you cross that, that's not okay. Right. But that doesn't mean that we need to be stuck there. So let me just give you an example.
0: Yeah, tell us more about that.
1: There's there's a story of how we can how complex this can be, okay? Um so there was um a couple many years ago that nobody wanted to work with. They were both hardworking people, very good looking, very fit <laughs> and they had little kids. but when he got angry, she wanted to leave. she could she was she went into a lot of fear and it got to a point where he threatened to kill her and the kids. Wow. So turns out that I ended up working separately with them. And she explained that when she could not, you know, maybe sometimes he was just a little bit angry. He was just a little bit animated and wanted to just, you know, talk about how set he was at work, but she couldn't even take that anymore. She went into freeze and dissociation and fear and she wanted to leave the room or she was already out even when she, her body was still there. And so he felt like he had not, he had had a partner, that his partner wasn't there. And when he went into extreme fear, it was not anger. It was fear Mm. because when he was a little kid, his parents abandoned him. So when she left to the other room, she fell out. Yeah. And I have nothing without you because I love you so much so i would rather just kill you and kill me and he would just say these things but after we could see this right that w- that was their own trauma that they needed to work on then we could talk about you know him explaining to her that she feels afraid instead of threatening the family when things got escalated and she could tell him that you know she was starting to feel numb or she was mm-hmm. starting to feel a little bit frozen, right? And so that helped them to just acknowledge where where was their body? What was their own experiences? So there, there was a little bit more of opening and they wouldn't escalate so fast. Because what happens when we go into a very uh, strong emotion is that we dissociate and we stop feeling our body actually.
0: So we go into that space where uh, that would be freeze, right? Or, or I guess a form of flight too, isn't it?
1: So that can be fight, flight, freeze, right? Yeah. And some call it, say a fourth one is fawn. Mm-hmm. So the flight would be, you know, when your parasympathetic, um, your sympathetic nervous system is kicking in, then you're on fight, right? And that's that's not a bad thing. That's just how we survive, We need to set boundaries, even to, you know, oh my gosh, I'm burned out. I cannot talk to you right now and just say, I can't do this right now. That's, that's good. That's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. But, um, flight would be, I want to leave or I'm already gone. I'm here, but I'm gone. So you have to allow some space for those responses to show up. If you repress that, then there will only be more tension and more energy that's stuck in your body. So imagine if somebody comes to me and says, okay, I need to work on my anger because my partner is going to leave me and I have only two sessions to do with you. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of pressure.
0: (laughs) Let's figure all this out in two sessions.
1: And what's happening for this person when it's not only that he or she wants to work on her own Emotional space and her or or his traumas on this person's experiencing life, but also there's another level that is the level of the basic relationship. Saying I'm going to leave you, this doesn't work. That extra stress is not helping at all.
0: That's like abandonment at every moment of being human.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah. So it would be way easier, right? If we don't let things go. crisis to to work to that
0: place. Yeah.
1: Because now you have, okay, now I have to, I want to work on myself, but also my partner is going to leave me or my kids are going to be taken away from me. And so we cannot be at our best when we have those threats, those emotional threats pressing us. It's really so good.
0: much to hold. Oh my gosh. To, to hold both the complexity of your own shame, fear story that you're diving into. And that if you fuck up or mess up in any way, it'll all be for nothing. That's sort of like the possibility, you know?
1: And that just takes us even more to the edge because we're going to be more nervous when we're on those situations because we know we're going to make a mistake.
0: Yeah. There's so much on the line. It's like, you get to that place and you're like, this is typical. You have no tolerance. I have no, you know, it's like, then you go to the edge. Cause you're like, you you resent them that they're holding that over you.
1: It's like going to that math exam, knowing you suck at math. <laughs>
0: you're <be> <laughs> and you need an A and you need a fucking A. Yeah. That gives so much um, perspective and compassion. You know, even like when you talk about, if you were to just hear about what that guy that you worked with said to that, his wife, immediately we'd be like, leave him. He's an awful person. And and don't get me wrong, that's often a term that's used before there is violence, before. What? But when there is an intervention and you hear like where her trauma is coming from and what where wh- what her trauma is creating and what his trauma is creating and how those are working together against each other. And then when you create that space of understanding and regulation and the relationship can if you're working with someone who's qualified like you that relationship can become a space of healing for both people
1: so first is your safety right both people need to feel safe and mm-hmm. some of us have been for our whole life without feeling safe at all so we don't really understand that we're not feeling unsafe
0: mm. so for example so we this, don't even know
1: right so in this in this example right of this couple you know, he really realized what, what was that about because he was really afraid that he was a bad person.
2: Mm.
1: And, and so we, again, we criminalize, right? We, and, and this was just him on a rant, on a very bad moment. And yes, we have to create a safety plan for the couple, for sure. But these understandings help the couple to be closer and not farther or not in fear with the other. When he or she loses it, or dissociates, or freezes, it's more from an approach of compassion. And, and thanks for for mentioning compassion because that's a very key work uh, part of our work. It's to handle anger with compassion. Um, when there is shame, there's no compassion. Right? It's like a secret. It's hidden. It's not even taught, uh, talked about. There's no words to explain it. So with the compassion we can hold our anger and with like a little baby, you know, like what's going on? Why are you angry? And because anger is a secondary emotion, we might find out that we are not really angry, that we are ashamed or that we are afraid or that we are just incredibly sad.
2: Mm.
1: So when there is this, compassion that shows up in the way that we carry on for our anger and others it's easier to set up boundaries as well
0: the compassion leaves the space where we feel safer to draw lines is that is that what you mean yes, yes. i could see that because there's like an under all of a sudden there's a space of understanding rather than um resistance and and uh combativeness there's yes. like all of a sudden this like, oh. We both are breathing space into each other.
1: Right. And it's, all, it's also not longer anymore about the results, but it's about the process. Mm. And I want to repeat that once again. If you are too focused on not ever making a mistake again, you're going to make it. Yeah. And you're going to be connected to the emotion of fear. But if you are like, okay, the next time that I do this, maybe I just apologize, or maybe I can be kind to myself and ask myself, where does this come from? Maybe I can just focus on how can I be kind in spite of my anger showing up? Then there's a different, it's a different space. So yes, we are going to make mistakes. You know, healing your anger is going to take a while, but focus on the process, not on being perfect. Mm. Because anger has a lot to do with perfectionists as well. And perfectionists are only worried about the final result. And mm, that's not the pressure.
0: Yeah, not the process. I see what you're saying. And I, what a beautiful reminder. Cause I think like so often the relationships that are in that dynamic lack um, a culture of appreciation anymore. Everything's about defending or asserting or, and then there's like, we're not taking this like, acknowledgement of a micro moment, this change, like, Hey, I noticed that where we've normally erupted or you've normally gotten defensive. I saw you breathe for that moment. I saw you soften. And the other person's like, Oh my God, they saw that thing. I've been working on that. You know, it's like, uh, I find like as soon as couples lose that, that culture of respect, then things really start to go downhill.
2: Yes.
1: And we can observe that in ourselves too. Like, you know, I, I always tell the people that I see that we are like two windows. Okay, you in a relationship is like two windows. Whenever one of the windows is closed, there cannot be a dialogue anymore. Mm-hmm. So we have to watch if we are already closed, if we are not in a space for dialogue, if we are if our nervous system is shut down, if we're feeling numb, if we're feeling too emotional, maybe you just take a note about that, you know. Go and take your time in, how I call it now, because a timeout seems like a punishment. Go and take
0: in. I like that.
1: Go and do something you enjoy. Forget about the, the issue, just like when you're working, right? And you're not having any more ideas or something. You're stuck. Just take a break. Maybe it's 24 hours. Maybe it's more, at least 24 hours for adrenaline to leave your system. And then you come back and say, hey, how do we work it out? This is what I noticed. But if you react to the anger when it shows up, you're only going to be dealing with drama. Mm. You're only going to be creating drama. But if you have the opportunity to just take a break and go for a walk, do whatever you need to do, jump, you know, read poetry, um, I don't know, watch hockey, I don't mind. (laughs) Then you might be able to come back more relaxed. And to really solve what's going on, which is usually there's a deeper conflict under the anger. You know, sometimes it's just stress. And sometimes we just apologize and say, you know, I was having a bad day. But if there's a, a deeper conflict, that will be important in the future. And you will have to, to see the recurrence of that thing that's bothering you coming back to you. And that needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah, because if that doesn't get addressed, it all just keeps repeating in other ways. and, and... And it, yes. till it gets dealt with, it repeats itself. That's that's how life works. <laughs> Until we change, nothing fucking changes. Well, I'm curious, how does someone, you know, because of course, there's probably m- m- many, there's probably lots of people listening who relate to some ways of either expressing, over expressing, under expressing anger. How does one begin the journey to? Touching the edges of this and then embodying it, like you said, like it becoming where they can actually say, "Anger is my friend," which I, I think we all uh, aspire to. That I mean, obviously, one is to come work with you. I believe you work digitally too with people, right?
1: Well, nowadays we do everything online.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so so sign up with Alejandra, and then uh, what what are some steps we can take individually
1: to so, move that? You know, like. Um, ask yourself, what am I really feeling?
0: Like what's below this?
1: Yeah. What am I really feeling? Is it really angry? Anger? Is it, what is it? Um, Take a couple of breaths. Notice what triggered it. Try to catch the anger before it shows up. Like there's usually some cues in the body that are going to, that are going to show up before you explode. Or if you're repressing everything in, it's gonna sh- it's gonna be the opposite way. It's gonna be like, oh, I have no anger, I cannot relate to anger. Like I've, I, I never, I can't express that. So there's a lot of guys that show to to our groups, and their wife is like, oh, or their partner is like, why would I go to a group of anger management if I'm not the angry person? But mm-hmm. you see, there's a problem about about what is the concept of anger and what is the boundaries right? How can you work with this other person and understand how to deal with the anger so that you are in a safe container?
0: So if you have no relationship to your own anger, if I understand this correctly, what you're saying is, if you have no relationship to your own anger, then how will you know where the limits are in someone else's? Is that fair? Yeah,
1: it's always in the relationship. So even if you feel like, oh, I shouldn't go to a group about anger, because I am not angry, he made me angry, he's the violent, he's the crazy one, or she is. You might want to come and find out and sit on a group with the people that you think are like your partner, and you're gonna learn how to express your anger. And you're going to understand what's going on in this person's body even more. And so we're talking about in mm. the relationship.
0: Compassion, understanding.
1: Yes. And also boundaries balancing it, right? It's like, oh, I get what's happening now. And we are supposed to do this and this and this when we go into these situations. And why are you not doing this? Oh, I thought it was the other way around. Oh, okay. Then we have this difference. How do we, so we start to have conversations about how to make these tools in a way that, that works for us because every couple is different and every person is different. So you have to find things that work for you. Yeah. And then it becomes fun.
0: That makes sense because all of a sudden you're exploring it and you're like...
1: "So, like, give me, uh, Let me just, I just remembered an example. Um, a young woman felt anger and we started to track the pattern of when did this anger showed up most. And one of the things she found out was that it showed up uh, when it was Sundays and when there was a lot of silence in the house. And all of a sudden, she will get upset, and she would like find uh, you know something to start poking her partner, and that will end up sometimes not very well. Mm-hmm. They will end up hurting each other, you know. You know that kind of like oh, uh, poking each other. That's kind of like a teenage spirit, but then it hurts each other, and it's like yeah, it's not good really.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. And what she found uh, one day on a session with me was that. Usually it was on Sundays at that time when there was uh, some event when she was growing up Mm. with her dad acting out. So
2: similar pattern.
1: Once she found that and she could express this to her partner, we came up with a word. And in this word, I don't know if it was papaya or what word, but it was like (laughs) a word. (laughs) And she would start she would start feeling that and she would say this funny word and they would just start laughing. So the activation just moved out of the body and they didn't go into any fights.
0: It like became connective in yes. a way. Wow. And, and what I love about what you're inviting, one is like when you said about boundaries beginning to be expressed in the dialogue when you're working with the couple is then you're now creating safety, safety that you didn't even know you needed or you were waiting for the other person to do because you had no, if you're, if you have no relationship to your own anger, then you don't know where that limit is. And and it creates safety so you can start to feel that feeling. And I love how you're saying that once you start to befriend it and like creates that safety, then all of a sudden it deepens intimacy because there's room for all of us in it. Like the angry part of me, the sad part of me, the gosh, like this is why I love this work because it it makes it so you can see that relationships – when turned towards from a space of the potential for healing, they are the greatest containers for personal evolution and healing and collective. Like as it as a partnership, you now are starting to live in like what I like or Kai calls it, I can't take claim for it, but this idea of like liberated love, that you are liberated through the container of the relationship, which most of us feel imprisoned through the container of the relationship. And
2: yes. That's beautiful,
0: That's beautiful that more of us comes to the relationship
1: That's or through it. Yes. And so if, if my experience when I was growing up was that anger was violence or that I don't want to be like this person that is my partner that always yells at me, then probably I'm going to show as little anger as I can. Mm-hmm. But that is not allowing you to occupy your space in the relationship and to set the appropriate boundaries so that the relationship can have, that all of us can have the emotions, the anger in this case, and that it can feel safe for both of us to express it. And that's it. It's just anger. It's gone.
0: What a beautiful thought of like, it moves through you and it serves a purpose and it lays boundaries. Like we're starting to see this idea of like, it is your friend. It's actually something we need. Something we need. It's essential. Yes.
1: And in a more collective space, thanks for noticing that, for mentioning that, Mark. The collective anger, right? The the powerful movements that create change. And right now there's all this, you know, Me Too movements and the, you know, Women are starting to voice out. You know, and other minor- minorities are voicing out what's not okay. What's what's not okay. What's okay, and and that's important too because we need to hear that, and we yes. need to change. So anger has also these beautiful connotations of change and also of creativity. Hmm. There are many research showing how anger and creativity are linked together because it's a way of finding. Uh, creative solutions. That's what the anger is there for.
0: That's beautiful. That it becomes like it can be your form of art, but not just art in the idea of a painting, but art in the idea of expression, even within your relationship.
1: Totally. That's why when we're starting to feel anger, but it hasn't totally went into rage, we we feel a little bit more focused and we're like our brain is really working and we're like in flow a little bit, in flow and there's you know like anger in sports right like mm-hmm. have to be focused and there's like this sharpness that anger can bring but then the key is how to not you know move farther into losing yourself into that emotion and then causing you know the disconnection from the heart the disconnection to the other and feeling like you're threatened then if you feel like you're threatened, with, then we have the story of you know the fight piece, which is you know just destroying your opponent in the less amount of time that you have available with your best tools because it's a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy for us to be angry
0: in that capacity where we're not connected to our hearts.
1: Yes. So yeah, that it makes sense it as a curve, like a bell curve. Yeah. Okay. So if the bell curve is you know starting to escalate then there's nothing wrong. There might be some activation. It might serve you for some purposes, right? But if you're in the top of the curve, then we're seeing two people that are just blaming and hurting each other. And that's when I call for the time in, which is, this is is not like, we are in a place where we are not equipped for social engagement
0: anymore. <laughs> I like that. First off, time in, and neither of you are equipped for social engagement currently. That is constructive. That's yeah. beautiful. Well,
1: Go back to your cave and <laughs> reassess
0: yourself. <laughs> well, that's the fun in it. It's like, listen, at least you're, you know, I know you and, and you have a great sense of humor. And to bring that to people's transformation is... Imperative, you know, that we laugh as we open, as we uncover shame, as we uh, dig into the deepest recesses of our vulnerability. So I'm curious uh, for the people listening who I'm sure are like, okay, I need some more of this. uh, Where do they find more of you in your work?
1: (laughs) Well, mm, easy. Um, You know, just buy a copy of our book, $20, the ebook, if you want to read more about this. If you want to join our workshops, Uh, go to the HealingAnger.ca webpage. We are doing workshops um, every six weeks.
0: Every six weeks. So people can sign up right away. HealingAnger.ca is the website? That's the
1: website for women. The website for the guys' work is Angerman.online. And we are thinking of opening a third space.
0: Ooh, tell us more.
1: Yeah, well, uh, we are aware that it's not only about men and women right
2: yeah.
1: um and so we are um yeah we're always evolving always learning so we'll see what what that when that happens i'll let you know but we are making a space for people that do not uh identify themselves with the binary assumptions
0: of gender beautiful yeah. well thank you so much for your wisdom your time I know we only touched really on the edges of anger, but I you know, I got a lot from what you were saying today and I think um, a lot of people did. And I'm really excited for all of us to be able to dive more in. So go get your book. What's your book called?
1: Healing Anger, Transforming Anger into Growth.
0: Perfect. So we'll put Healing Anger, Transforming Anger into Growth. We'll put the links to all your stuff in the show notes. And I really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Mark, for doing the work that you do. And there's so many people that benefit from hearing you. Thank you for
0: your work. Mm, Thank you so much.